Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast. Of course, I am your host, Armand Lee. I appreciate each and every one of you for listening. Another fun show for you all this week. My guy, David Duvall, is going to be stopping by. He's a producer extraordinaire. He works with boxing. He works with the NBA, specifically the Washington Wizards broadcast. So you know we're going to talk about the Gennady Golovkin-Canelo fight that happened this past weekend and a little preview of the NBA season, which... Thankfully, thankfully, is right around the corner. Plus, Antonio Brown and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Slim, what the hell is going on with them in Pittsburgh? I have no idea, but we are all going to try to sort through this together. But without any further ado, let's get it going with our first topic this week. First quarter. Yes, sir. Y'all hear the song. It feels like we just did one of these a few weeks ago, but, you know, I'm starting to lose track over, like, time. Like, how long it's been since we've done this. But this past weekend, to me, there was no story better than what happened in Buffalo this weekend. And, no, I'm not talking about the score. I'm not talking about Josh Allen. I'm not talking about any of that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Vontae Davis basically was like my man Scarface from Half Bait. Y'all seen it on, on social media. People were like, yo, fuck you you you're cool you i'm out that's what that's what your man Vontae did he got up out there joe at halftime but why this is a sports wingster and for those of you all who are just listening to the show for the first time number one thank you welcome and number two what the hell took you so long right this is episode 73 however i digress Sports Wangster is a segment that we do from time to time on the show, and essentially it just highlights the part of the song Wangster, which you just heard. Damn, homie, in high school, you were the man, homie. What happened to you, right? Vontae Davis, it wasn't that long ago that Vontae Davis was one of the top cornerbacks in the league. Remember, he got traded from Miami to Indianapolis, and people thought, okay, well, now they're, they're building around Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck is going to take over the offensive side of the ball, and you're going to have Vontae, you know, kind of solidify the defensive backfield, and boom, we, we cooking. My, how things change in a matter of time when it comes to sports. Vontae Davis went from being a prized defensive back to quitting in Buffalo at halftime. <laughs> Yo, what the f- happened to you slim this is like the craziest i shouldn't say it's not the craziest story because we've had some crazy stories in recent history let alone just 2018 but can i would have never envisioned a time where a player quits at halftime in football and they said that he he took he took the jersey off took the equipment off got in his dress clothes and just called the lift and was out of there He's in Buffalo, bro. So, you know, he went straight home to where, I mean, this I think this is his first year in Buffalo. So, maybe he's just chilling in a little apartment. You know, maybe he got, I mean, the season just started. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, he may not even have for real roots down there in the city. He just went straight to the airport and was like, I'm out of here, y'all. Like, what? And, and, and so, so we getting our laughs off, right? Because if, unless you are just a weirdo. Right? This was the funniest thing that could have happened this weekend. I mean, everybody got the jokes off. And 
That's the most important thing. No matter what happens, no matter if it's your team or if it's not your team, your arch rival, a player you like, dude from your area, whatever, whatever, it's important that we always remember to get these jokes off. So it's my obligation to do it. But, you know, when you take in everything that is football now, or sometimes every time something like this happens, you know, there's that little part of you, the conscious kind of pulling on the strings like, yo, this could be something serious, right? Because anything that happens, I guess, out of the ordinary, if you will, as it pertains to football, you always in the back of your mind is like, okay, maybe is he going through something, right? Because we know all the the many, you know, complications, the many obstacles the NFL and football players just in general have to deal with psychologically, emotionally, God forbid, right? So that is a little bit of a hurdle as it pertains to you know, getting these jokes off. But damn it, I'm I'm Jackie Joyner Kersey out this joint. I'm hurling in that joint, man. It ain't going to stop me. What the hell's going on in Buffalo, bro? You got the fans going out of their way to jump through tables. So much so. Like, the Bills have been to the playoffs one time in the last 19, 20 years, right? The one time they get in, they didn't move away from the starting quarterback. And I'm not here saying that Tyrod Taylor is this special player, but he's better than some Nathan Peterman, right? <laughs> you feel me? So the fans have lost their damn mind. They lighting the tables on fire, jumping through it as if that's going. I don't even know the, the psychology behind that. I don't know where it starts. I don't know why they do it. I don't know why they why they continue to do it. I know legally, I think it's illegal now in Buffalo because they've done it so much. God only knows the number of people who have been injured at the stadium doing it, right? That team should have been moved to Toronto so long ago. I don't know why they're still in Buffalo. The fans are out their damn minds. The players are out their damn minds. The front office are out their damn minds, right? This is an organization that is known for losing. Like the high point of the franchise was losing four Super Bowls in a row. I know that all too well because as a child growing up, I was a Buffalo Bills fan. One of the smartest decisions I've made as an adult was to be like, you know what? I'm done. These Bama's suck and they are not going to kill my vibe any longer. That happened to me like seven years ago. I was like, dog, I'm, I can't do it. Seven, eight years ago. I was like, I'm done. I'm out of here. And damn it, clearly, clearly I deserve a round of applause, Right. Because whatever they got going on in Buffalo, that thing is a, a plague, a pandemic, man. What the, the, the fans are crazy. The front office, clearly, they're crazy. And Vontae Davis was like, the hell with this, bro. I'm out of here. I still got 30 minutes. I don't even know if he got on the field during the game. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Vontae Davis went from being one of the, I don't want to say he was an elite defensive back, but he was among the best defensive backs in the league, right? Top 15, top 10, top 15. At one point, that wasn't that long ago. Fonte Davis's older brother is still playing. Vernon's career, like Vernon is balling more than Vonte. And Vonte was like, I'm out of here. I don't care how much money the bill. I can only imagine what, he probably getting like a million, right? This season. Veteran minimum, something like that. He walked away from that, at least a million, at halftime of the second game of the season because Buffalo is like a town in American Horror Story. 
All them Bamas is crazy. And Fonte was like, man, self-preservation is the first law of nature. Let me get the hell up out of northern New York. Y'all, man, Twin Peaks or whatever the hell's going on out there, they need they, they should have moved the team to Toronto. You know? That you talk about a cursed organization. So, yes, there could be a lot of really red flags going on around this decision by Vontae Davis. And yes. We need to make sure that the young man is straight mentally and emotionally. And if if there is a problem there, you know what? We need to address it and, and, and address it with the, the severity that accompanies any type of psychological or emotional damage that these NFL players are going through. But until that time, until we know that this is a cause of something that is significant and important, Slam, I'm going to ask the question, what the f- happened to you Vontae dog I, I need the 30 for 30 I need the 30 for 30 how you going to get just just off the game just off the game it doesn't even have to be a two hour long show just give me an hour on Vontae Davis and the first two weeks in Buffalo and it's not even snowing up there yet God only knows had he made it to like December what would have happened slim beyond the jokes Beyond the, 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 the 50 cents, beyond the sports wasters where we're going to be lo- we looking at Vontae like, bro, what, what happened? There's a message in here, clear as day. Bro, you got to do self-inventory and, and understand what you can and what you can't handle. Understand the capacity of, of struggle or of, of, you know, difficulty that you can have. And at a moment's notice, realize, bro, if you find yourself in the red, escape. Get up out of there. Yes, you are going to open yourself for some laughter and jokes, but that's part of life. That's part of growing pains. Vontae Davis, he understands he getting his ass laughed at. And his family probably laughing at him. But you know what? He's right. I'm sure he's sleeping much better tonight than he was Saturday night. You know what I mean? There was a reason why he got the hell about a buffalo. I just want to know what that was. Because as we stand right now, Fonte, baby, what the fuck happened to you, bro? Matter of fact, that should be the name of the 30 for 30. Fonte Davis, what the fuck happened to you? <laughs> All right, y'all, that's the first quarter. As always, let me know what you think. What do you feel? How do you feel about the Vonte Davis situation? What do you think is going on in Buffalo? Because there's something crazy going on up there. The fans have lost their damn minds. You know, it's cloudy. Every single day, the the front office is moving up to draft Josh Allen. They drafted J.P. Lossman. They were going to draft. They, they were going to move up to draft Tim Tebow. I mean, what, what was the last? What was the last smart decision that the Bills made? Right? There's something going on in Buffalo. Dateline special needs to check it out. But let me know what you think is going on with Vontae, with the Bills, the NFL, whatever, whatever it is that you have an interest on or whatever it is you want to get off your chest, I am here to listen and to answer. Make sure you email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, report at gmail.com. And as always, tweet at us. We've got a lot of fun stuff going on on the timeline. Make sure you follow. Make sure you tweet at us. We're at Quarterly Show. Again, that's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, show. Tweet at us. Let us know what your thoughts on on the show, on any topics, or a topic that I haven't addressed that you are curious to hear my opinion on. 
All right, guys, so that was the number one story this weekend. Clearly, the most fun story that I had just consuming in quite some time. But we're going to get the show moving again with another topic, staying in the NFL for our second topic. Ah, Second You know, not too long ago, it was like maybe two, three weeks ago, my guy J.P. Finley was a guest on the Quarterly Report, and we had one of the better interviews, one of the better back and forths that we had that I've ever had on the show. In regards to parity in the NFL and how it, you know, relates to parity in the NBA. And I got some um, responses, not just from JP, obviously, but a lot of you all who listen to the pod, you know, you guys engaged and had a lot to say about that topic. And most of you all, like, like, like I said earlier in that same show, the NFL sells parity like they sell alcohol. And if you watch one game, you know, they always sell alcohol. But a lot of you all, and I'll give you credit, I don't agree, but uh, I'll give you credit. You guys were saying, you know, parity isn't necessarily just about who wins. Parity isn't necessarily about who makes the playoffs, right? A lot of you all viewed parity, and this isn't this isn't a wrong way to look at it, right? Parity has kind of a wide-ranging uh, definition. It just depends on how you want to utilize it. But what several of you all said was about, like, in the NFL Parity means with the exception of maybe three teams at the very bottom and two teams at the very top, the majority of the league, the difference between seven and nine and six and 10 and 10 and six and 11 and five, it's minuscule, right? The majority of the teams in the league, obviously they can't win the championship, but each season there's like two plays away. You know, the Browns, and you know the Bills are going to be really, really bad. And you know the Patriots, and this year it looks like the Rams, are going to be really, really good. And then everybody else in the middle, there's just a few plays here and there from either being 10-6 and six or 6-10. Six and 10. And that, that is true. And if that's the way you define parity, then you know what? You're absolutely right. And in that regard, the NFL is the best when it comes to parity. However, one team that we would have always thought, right, are a 10-win team, easy, 11-win team, easy, among the best teams, among the top-tier teams in the league. And this has been this way with the exception of maybe a handful of years over the last two decades, really. The Pittsburgh Steelers. When you think of consistent organizations, right, the model franchises in the NBA, you think of the, the Spurs, you know, when it comes to excellence, you think of the Lakers. The Lakers always, the, the Lakers very rarely are losing for a long time, right? Hockey, you know, I, I would assume, actually, you know what? I'm not even going to do hockey because that's not my sweet stop, spot. But baseball, right? The Red Sox, you know, the Red Sox are always going to be doing well. You know, the Yankees, teams who are always, you know, yeah, there'll be a few down years, but bad. The majority of the time, these teams are always expected to win. And in the NFL, the Steelers are absolutely among those teams. So when you look at the Steelers this year, you are just like, what is going on in Pittsburgh? It's not just the fact that they should have lost to the Browns in week one. It's not the fact that they gave up seemingly 100 points to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs in week two. And we're going to talk about the young boy Mahomes later on in the show. But when you look at what's going on in Pittsburgh, whether it's Le'Veon Bell, whether it's the offensive line doing something, quote unquote, breaking the code, right? The unwritten rules and talking about 
and lashing out publicly on a player about trying to make his money. Whether it's Ben Roethlisberger every offseason talking about how he's considering retiring. And now you got Antonio Brown missing practice. The model organization in the NFL is seemingly falling apart before our eyes. And it's crazy to me. Like, I'm sure it's crazy to many of you who are old enough that when you think of the Steelers, you think, okay, easy, 10 wins, division title, playoff team, Super Bowl contender. And, man, we got to be honest, Joe, I like Mike Tomlin. I hope he, I hope that man wins all the Super Bowls. Every year, I'm like, yo, I hope Mike Tomlin. I'm not even a Steeler fan. I don't root for the Steelers. I root for Mike Tomlin. I like Mike Tomlin, and I want him to succeed. But, let, let, yo, let's be honest. He needs to, he shouldn't be on the hot seat, but with the way things are going on with that organization, with that team, with that roster, it's highly volatile. And somebody's going to have to take the L. It's not going to be Big Ben, even though I don't know how good Ben Roethlisberger is anymore. Do you? Can anyone honestly assess just how good he is? We know when he's on, he's among the best. But there is a wide variance week to week with Ben Roethlisberger. And it's not just this year or last year. I want to say the last three, four seasons, if you look at Ben Roethlisberger's home and away splits, they're quite telling. But it's not just Ben. Le'Veon is probably gone. The Pittsburgh Steelers thought it was smart to have one of the 10 best players in the league and not pay him. I'm not judging, right? We all know the 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 you know the, the narrative when it comes to running backs and as they age you, you don't pay running backs a certain past a certain year because they fall off the cliff and everything like that and his replacement has played exceptionally well but he ain't Le'Veon Bell and when Le'Veon Bell is on the field we have seen it the last two years the Steelers are a better team because he's one of the best players in the league they paid Antonio Brown but every year it looks like Antonio Brown is unhappy He's always doing something. And those are the three faces of your organization. These are, you know, your dad Steelers with, you know, the steel curtain and this amazing defense or either even my Steelers with Troy Palomalu in the back. Defensive backfield and Harris and all these guys wrecking havoc. Nah, like that's not it anymore. This is a completely different Pittsburgh Steelers team that allows teams to score 40-plus points on them regularly. I shouldn't say regularly, but 30 points against the Steelers, you know, that happens unless you're the Browns. So everybody on that organ, everybody in that fan base, everybody who's a fan of that team or associated with that team in that city, there's an expectation that the Steelers conduct themselves in a manner, right, that is A1. Because that's the way they've always done it. That's the way they've always conducted business. But it's not that way now. And it hasn't been that way for quite a while. And the old saying, it's a cliche, right? Winning disguises everything. Winning is the ultimate, you know, uh, cologne, right? The ultimate deodorant. But see, the Steelers are one missed field goal away from being 0-2. From being 0-2, losing to the Browns. It seems as if the Jaguars passed them up. The Jaguars eliminated the Steelers in the playoffs last year. Remember? It seems as if the Chiefs 
and it's only two games. I don't want to be. I don't want to rush the judgment. But as we stand, it, it doesn't seem outlandish to say that the Chiefs have passed up the Steelers. And we know, at, as a fan of Mike Tomlin, I we all know this. He can't beat Bill Belichick. He the Steelers, the Steelers with Tomlin as the head coach just get owned by the Patriots every single time. So at some point. Everybody's going to stop looking at Le'Veon because Le'Veon has made it plain as day. He doesn't want to come back to Pittsburgh. People have ignored Ben Roethlisberger's wildly inconsistent play for the last three, four years. So you're not going to talk to him. And Antonio Brown has gone out of his way to be just, he is arguably the best wide receiver in football. If it's not him, it's Julio or Odell, right? So I'm not going to get into an argument about who's the guy. They're all great, and Antonio is great, right? But he does stupid stuff all the time. So if you're going to let Le'Veon go, you know you're going to cherish Antonio. So who then falls victim? Who's the one who's going to take the L? Who's the one who's going to have to carry that water? It's going to be Mike Tomlin. So this is me trying to shoot him some bail. This is me trying to shoot him some advice. I don't. I know he's probably not listening to it, but... If Omar Epps' you know, body double, the man who brought Beijing, for he don't even have the full Rick Ross beard. You know what I'm saying? I don't even know why he putting Beijing on his face for that little joint. I don't know what Batman's is doing with their facial hair no more. But whatever, y'all do you. But again, as a fan, I hope he pulls it together. But bro, there is not that much time left. He's luckily playing in the AFC North. And we all know the Bengals are going to choke this thing away because they do it every year. And the Ravens, I don't know. The only reason I'm confident or I have any type of faith in Baltimore is because of past success, not anything that they have done recently. So the Steelers will absolutely have every opportunity to win their division and make a lot of noise in the postseason. But they better get started right now because if they don't, Le'Veon is already one foot out the door. Ben Roethlisberger is a made man, and Antonio Brown is too good to jettison. So Mike Tomlin, as a fan, I'm talking to you, bro. You better pull whatever rabbit you've got out your hat, whatever card you have up your sleeve. There's no time to waste because they will come at your neck, and they are ready because quiet is kept. Terry Bradshaw, listen to Terry Bradshaw. A lot of those Steelers players, a lot of people connected to Pittsburgh are not big Mike Tomlin fans. So they have been waiting for the smallest slip up. And man, you have fallen right into the booby trap. All right, guys, you have heard the horn. That means we are halfway done through this show. I want to take some time out to thank each and every one of you all for checking the show. If you don't mind, head on over to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you are listening to my voice right now, leave me a five-star review if you don't mind. Leave me a five-star review. Let me, let your friends, let the world know why you love the Quarterly Report podcast. We try to do stuff very different. We're not your average podcast. We do a lot of stuff, a lot of fun, a lot of humor, but also, you know, we try to be knowledgeable here too, man. So we try to do a lot of things, especially out of the D.C. area, speak to sports and topics that don't usually get addressed on the major markets, you know, on the radio, on the television, definitely in this area. So 
Let the world know, man. Spread the word. Give me a five-star review and let everybody know what you think, what you love about the Quarterly Report podcast. All right, guys. Y'all know me. I'm a huge boxing fan. And this past weekend, one of the biggest fights, the most anticipated fight probably thus far this year happened, and it didn't disappoint. But somehow, some way, the fight which lived up to the hype, which exceeded the first fight, which was another amazing fight. Gennady Golovkin, Canelo Alvarez was a spectacular show, but it paled in comparison to the two men who broke it all down afterwards, Stephen A. Smith and Teddy Atlas. In fact, those two men made such an impression on the eyes and ears of everybody watching them that it was a rush to make a new fall drama, a new fall cop drama starring these two men because we all know about Law & Order SVU, but when Stephen A. Smith and Teddy Atlas get together, oh man, it's Law & Order WTF. Take a listen. In the sports talk industry, hot takes are considered extremely heinous. In the world of boxing, Stephen A. Smith and Teddy Atlas represent a special type of hot takery. These guys are considered the what the f unit. These are their stories. I don't know what the heck you he was saying, but I hope you were saying that Golovkin won the fight. That's what I said. Good. Then stay here. I you thought it was a closer fighter. I thought it was a closer fight. You did that. real well in English in school, but not math. That's doing a robbery without leaving fingerprints. That's all it is. You don't have to rob somebody by 100 points. Then that means by, it was an effective you know, robbery. Yeah, it was an effective robbery. It's still a robbery! It's a robbery! Let's talk about Triple G. Let's not forget, you keep going to jab, jab, like he was connected no, no, all that. No, no. He was pinning back. He was pinning back. He was doing That's what he was doing. He was supposed to go like this, but he wasn't doing that. He wasn't doing that. But he wasn't doing it the whole fight. Can I ask you one question? Has there ever been a time? Don't turn your back on me. Stay right there and look at the camera. Hey, uh, we know the fight on Saturday was amazing. If you're a boxing fan, even if you're just like a casual fan who only watches one to two fights a year, you check that fight out. It was entertaining. It was an amazing middleweight showdown. But my goodness, I, uh, yo, and I'm critical. I don't like people talking about boxing when it's clear they don't know what they're talking about or they're being overly animated, okay? I'll let you decide who is whom with this duo. But, yo, I can't lie. I was thoroughly entertained by watching Teddy Atlas and Stephen A. Smith do whatever the hell it was that they were doing. Obviously, this is a podcast, so I can only provide the audio. But all of you all who were slightly or more or greater entertained, because there's no way you could listen to that, like 50 seconds of sound bites that I picked out and not chuckle. If you were even in the slightest bit entertained by that halftime, you have to do yourself a favor. Go on YouTube and just search Stephen A. Teddy Atlas, right? And it'll pop up. There's two of them, man. Watch both of them. Them joints is funny because they are like, they're doing things as they're saying this foolishness. It is like, you would honestly think that they were going, and they probably were to some extent. I don't know about Teddy. Stephen A. knows what he's doing. Teddy Atlas, I think dude is just crazy. But it's funny. It's funny, man. He's throwing jabs in the air. He's, <laughs> I promise you, man. Do yourself a favor. Check that out, man. That was one of the funniest halftimes I think I've ever done. When I was producing television, when I first started, one of the anchors first came up to me. He's like, look, man, one of the simplest things you need to know 
sometimes get out of the way. And that's what I did with that halftime, man. Just put some music underneath and let Teddy Atlas and Stephen A. Smith scream at all of us about a fight that was close. No matter how you slice it, that fight was close. No robberies, no screaming, no yelling, no throwing air jabs. It was a hell of a fight. It was a great fight. It was a close fight. Canelo won. Let's move on. You know, Canelo, get in the wing with Jarmel Charlo. Jarmel Charlo, excuse me. Like, just move on from the Golovkin. Obviously, they're going to run it back. I know they're going to do a trilogy. I have no interest in seeing another fight. Both of them have been amazing fights thus far. Right? Both of them have been very close. But what do we think is going to happen next, the next time? In my opinion, Golovkin looked much better in fight one than he did in fight two. He's only getting older. Canelo's clearly only getting stronger and absorbing Golovkin's punches better. So let's move on, you know? But we all know cash rules everything around me and everybody in the sport of boxing, so more than likely we're going to get a third fight. All right, guys, that was halftime. Thank you for indulging me with my boxing and Teddy Atlas and Stephen A., you know, fixation. But we're going to keep the ball moving, keep the show rolling. The first half adjustments have been made, so we're ready to improve the show and end on a strong foot, starting with my guest this week in quarter number three, producer extraordinaire David Duvall. Third quarter. He is a man who's connected into the sports world. Chances are you have seen him produce your favorite boxing fights, and if you're a Wizards fan, you watch all of the Wizards games, part of his production. My guy making his second appearance on the Quarterly Report podcast, David Duvall. Dave, man, thank you so much for joining me again on this week's show. Oh, I appreciate it, Armand, man. It's, as always, man, it's uh, September's here, and there's a lot of topics on deck. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Before we get to those topics, make sure you guys follow my guy Dave on Twitter. He's at McNubian. That's M-C-N-U-B-I-A-N. Really fun follow. Again, producer extraordinaire. He produces. He's a part of the broadcast crew for the Wizards televised games on NBC Washington. So NBC Sports Washington. So you guys in this area specifically already know about his product. And he also produces much or I should say many of the top fights that you see. Um, so that's obviously where we're going to start. Uh, this past Saturday, huge fight between Gennady Golovkin and Canelo Alvarez. And much like the first, a very close fight, very hard, contested fight. And a lot of people, I guess, would consider it a controversial decision. I thought Canelo won. But if you wanted to tell me that Golovkin won, you know, I'm cool with that. The fight was really that close. Uh, it was a toss-up. But, man, when it comes to fights now, and I don't know if it's because there are more casual fans looking at the bigger fights, but it's always, no matter who it is, someone got robbed. And it's just so upsetting because when it's a fight that that, when it's that close of a fight, it can go either way. No one was robbed in a close fight. So I feel like the people, the noise saying that Golovkin was robbed for a second fight, it's, it's annoying to me. I'm curious how do you feel about the decision and the, I guess, quote-unquote robbery. Hey, listen, I, I, I totally think uh, it was a really uh, impressive rematch. And frankly, I mean, Canelo fought the way he had to fight to win it, and, right. and he was committed to that style. And that's the thing about the North American fighters. You have to understand, they'll take a jab to, to land a power punch. Exactly. And that's Canelo's strategy. He'll take a jab, but I'm going to get this right cross. Exactly. And that's, that's why Triple G's face looks so lumped up. Yeah, and it's a North American style, and so Golovkin wants to kind of 
throw his jab because he's got the reach and he's got the follow-up punch that'll really hit you with the overhand. Right. But Canelo was staying moving and he was going to the body. He was moving his head. So yeah. listen, he fought a masterful fight. And if, for the fight fans that appreciate the styles that make the fights, yeah. this was a gem, man. It was a gem of a rematch. You know, you bring up an interesting point because um, back in his heyday, Kovalev was much like that, right? He would throw the jab as a power punch, not necessarily a finder, but with bad intentions. Um, and Golovkin is, you know, much like that as well. Um, but, you know, again, like those guys fought their asses off. And Canelo had an amazing fight. He took some amazing shots and just walked right through them. He made Golovkin miss. He was throwing beautiful combinations. Like you said, he lumped up Golovkin's face. And I feel like, you know, with the robbery talk, and it happened with the first fight too, you know, I thought Golovkin had a, a, a bigger claim at winning the first fight than he did this past weekend. But, you know, Canelo did a hell of a, he fought a hell of a fight, and I feel like it's overshadowing the talk of robbery. It's overshadowing just how masterful of a performance that he did getting in the ring with who many people consider the boogeyman of the sport. He did. And again, this was, again, he trained for this style that he was going to stay committed to. And again, I, on my cards, I had him winning um, from the last, I'd say, five rounds. Right. I probably had Canelo winning like three of those five. Yeah. Um, Letterman had uh, Triple G winning the eighth. I was like, what? Yeah. That was Canelo. Was, <laughs> Canelo was like a maestro at that point. He was like, pow, pow. Right. And all was, these power shots. You saw the replays. Triple G was like, ugh. Yeah. You take that power shot. It takes out your starch a little bit. Once again, guys, I'm joined by my guy, producer extraordinaire, David Duvall. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at McNubian. Super fun follow. The guy's connected into all the major sports, right? He helps produce some of the biggest and best boxing matches that you see on television. And he's a part of the amazing Wizards television broadcast team on NBC Sports Washington. We'll get into the NBA in a second. But before we do that, uh, it's time to break down the NFL. Uh, early in the show, I kind of teased uh, Patrick Mahomes, man. And, and the kid is lighting it up. And we know in the AFC, right, any team who has any desire of coming out of the conference, let alone winning the Super Bowl, you know that they got to get through Tom Brady and the Patriots. The Patriots doing their usual September kind of thing where they don't necessarily look their best. They took a uh, pretty, uh, they got handled pretty well, pretty, you know, easily by the Jacksonville Jaguars this Sunday. So that's where I want to kind of pinpoint this second question to you. Um, again, we know the road through the AFC goes through New England and Tom Brady. So of those other two teams, the Jaguars and the Chiefs, mainly um, Blake Bortles and Patrick Mahomes, which one of those two quarterbacks do you have the most faith in, you know, actually tackling and defeating the big bad giant Tom Brady when it counts the most, the playoffs? Well, I would say right now would be Blake Bortles. Yeah. Uh, only because, I mean, Mahomes has yet to see, you know, um, every NFL defense. Yeah. Um, and, and he's an amazing Thor out of, the, uh, out of the single back, you know what I mean? Where he's yeah. back there by himself in the gun, just seeing everything. And his arm strength, it, it jumps at you. Right. He's got like, it pops. Right. It pops. I mean, the thing about Mahomes is he's hitting these receivers inside. Yeah. And he's got velocity on his spins. And, and listen, that's why you're seeing these yak numbers. Yeah. Um, so that's but again, the more tape comes out, they'll play him differently. Uh, but I was impressed with the way he got Kelsey involved. 
uh, Kelsey for the uh, for the week two. I mean, Travis, you know, you know, that was a thing. Like, uh-oh, is he just going to throw the tire? Right. He's better than around six touchdowns. He tied Lynn Dawson's franchise record from yeah. 52 years ago or something. Crazy, 64 or something. Right. So, I mean, you know, it's, he's doing stuff that no one's seen, uh, you know, since probably, that's maybe Peyton through six. Yeah. I wonder how many quarterbacks have thrown six touchdowns. There's probably a short list. Yeah, it's um, it's impressive. <laughs> yeah, and then, but the thing is, Jacksonville's team I think is more steep and what the, the type of football they need to play. Um, and they're, they're still a team that no AFC heavyweight, a la you know, New England Pittsburgh wants to see. Yeah, you don't want to see Jacksonville because they 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 they're, they're that you know. <laughs> that schoolyard type junkyard dog. You know, man. they feel like at least to me, and I'm not trying to jump out there because I know the Ravens team are the early 2000s Ravens team was uh, iconic for a lot of different reasons. But the Jaguars kind of have that that vibe. Like win or lose, you know when you play the Jaguars, you got to earn that joint. You're going to get beat up. You know what I mean? You, there are no games and no tricks. When you go into Jacksonville, when you see the Jags on your schedule, you know you're going to earn Earn whatever win you're going to have, whether it's because of a black guy, busted lip, bloody nose, whatever. You're going to earn a win when you play the Jags. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're you know, definitely a team, I think, that could go maybe further than KC because they're a little more steep. Once again, guys, I'm joined by my guy, David Duvall, this week. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at McNubian, M-C-N-U-B-I-A-N. He's producer extraordinaire, man. He does so much stuff, production for your favorite fights. And in the D.C. area, he's part of the amazing Wizards broadcast crew. I know everybody locally knows this, but for all you guys outside of the D.C. metropolitan area, the Wizards television ratings had the second highest leap of any of the NBA local teams um, in the league. So that's just a testament to the really dope work that David and company do at NBC Sports Washington. So. We're going to get out of here, of course, with some NBA news. And the biggest story in the NBA this week has been the friction, the lingering tension between Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns, which seemingly is coming to a head. I believe on Monday, Carl uh, Anthony Towns let it be known to the Timberwolves organization that he will not sign a contract extension until Minnesota moved on from Jimmy Butler. And now Jimmy Butler apparently has a list of three teams. It's 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 really a sad story when you know it. No one knows. There are a lot of rumors floating around. No one knows exactly what happened between these two guys. But it's it's such a you know a sad story when you think about it because when both of them were healthy before Jimmy Butler got hurt last year, they were among the four best teams in the Western Conference. I mean, they were a legitimate you know a legitimate powerhouse team. And unfortunately, it seems like this is the end of the road. So if you're from a Minnesota perspective, like how do you what how do you move on from this? Right. Because you have to make a move and you're trading one. of, In my opinion, I'm a huge Jimmy Butler fan, one of the 15 best players in the league. So you're not going to get equal value. How do you work around this when your two best players seemingly are at each other's throats? Well, uh, I mean, it's a tough situation because obviously. The coach, um, who's not the GM, right. Tibbs loves Jimmy Butler. He yeah. basically reassembled the Bulls team from a few years ago now. Right. And, you know, this wasn't part of the plan, obviously. But um, Cat is, is basically basically making this a fork in the road um, right. scenario. 
So, uh, that being said, and we know this is the NBA, I would definitely think about, um, you know, trying to move him probably for another kind of uh, guard, um, younger guard maybe, or maybe a younger big even. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the thing is with Jimmy, it's kind of hard to gauge. His Jimmy is a different type of player, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he's like he's, – it, sometimes the, the metrics don't, you know, do that do that a service. The eye test on Jimmy sometimes shows you, you know, when he's basically, you know, crashing boards, getting an offensive tip in. The play's not run for him. He's a superstar. He should right. be upset. No, he's crashing the boards. That's Jimmy right. Butler. Like, he's he's kind of got that Juco spirit in him. You know what I mean? Yeah, Those yeah. Juco guys, you yeah, know, earn him. Yeah, you know, go, even going back to the early 90s with, you know, Sprewell, you know, Van Exel, you know, there's Art. a Juco, yeah. yeah, there's a Juco mindset. And he has it. And so he's different. Because um, when he's in the gym, he's kind of like, uh, he, like he, people kind of radiate around him. You know what I mean? Because right. he has that presence. Um, and you glad he's on your team. That's what, you know. <laughs> but that being said, you know, I I don't know why it's taking the Labor Day for this to come to to right. a, a boiling point. Like, shouldn't this have been handed early? So organizationally, if I was a T Wolves fan, I'm a little. I've got my both my fists clenched right now. Yes. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because I'm like, we don't need this right now, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, what what are you you, you hearing anything beyond just what the surface is? Well, you know, the the usual rumors are starting to swirl now, right? Anytime two superstar players uh, have this kind of clash, uh, uh, a vocal clash that's, you know, for the world to see, everyone thinks it's over a woman, right? So I'm not going to throw that out there. Who knows, man? But... You know, it's it's tough. Like you said, I, I wonder why many waited this long because there were rumblings from early last season that Andrew Wiggins and, mo- and more importantly, Carl Anthony Towns just didn't get along with Jimmy Butler. The fact that you wait to the start, literally, right right before the start of the season, you're just killing your, your leverage here, man, because now everybody knows that there's an issue. Everybody knows you're going to hit your wagon to Carl Anthony Towns as opposed to Jimmy Butler for obvious reasons. Carl Anthony Towns is one of the best young players in the league. So I don't even know what what is a realistic expectation to, to get back for a trade for Jimmy Butler, man, because, again, anytime you usually trade a superstar, you, you got to take back 10 cents on the dollar. Now you got to just hope that you get a, a, a solid young player in a first-round pick and, you know, call it a day. The best bet is, you know, targeting February at the, at the trade deadline because 19 is going to be such a, a, a mega seismic summer. Um, you might get a little more for your dollar at, at the trade deadline. Right. Well, right now it's buying an injury and sometimes hand is forced. I don't really see the leverage here. Right. It's a it's a shame, man. It's a tough situation to be in because, again, you're trading one of the best players in the entire league. And on top of that, right, you have an amazing one two combo. And when Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns were healthy last season, you know, they 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 performed at an amazing level. And that city of Minneapolis went so long without a playoff team. And now you're seeing it basically crumble in front of your eyes. But. You know what? It's another storyline for an exciting season. I can't believe it. We just, you know, next week is the start of media day. And in a month, the season will be tipping off. So NBA heads like myself and you, Dave, man, we can't wait. Once again, guys, I'm joined this week by David Duvall, 
producer extraordinaire. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at McNubian. He's part of the amazing Washington Wizards broadcast team on NBC Sports Washington. Guys in the area, I know you guys can't wait to start watching the Wiz. A lot of expectations, a lot of excitement around this team, as with every other team in the association. Dave, thank you so much for making your second appearance on the Quarterly Report podcast, and I can't wait to have you on again to break down the season. Absolutely, man. We'll do it again, Omar. No doubt, no doubt. So as we just said, right, one of the best players in the entire NBA is on the move. Another amazing subplot to a hugely anticipated and exciting upcoming season for the NBA. The offseason in the NBA is undefeated. And now said top 15 player has possibly been linked to my favorite team. So how exactly am I feeling? Well, that's the topic for our fourth quarter. This fourth quarter. So let me tell you all something, man. Like this, this is how much I love doing this podcast. This is how much I love, you know, talking to each and every one of you guys about the pod. This podcast was ready to go out Wednesday night, you know, send out to the world. Everything was good. But something told me inside, you know what? Just wait a little longer. You know, just wait. It's no rush. Everything is saved and everything is ready to go. Just give it a Thursday morning. Here I am, 740 Thursday morning, the day the pod is released. And y'all know I tease talking about Jimmy Butler possibly going to the Knicks. Let me wrap this up really quickly. The Knicks... Haven't had a player as good as Jimmy Butler in quite a while. Several, several years. In fact, I think Jimmy Butler is better than Carmelo Anthony when he was in New York. You can make a case for Tyson Chandler, but I don't don't have the energy this early in the morning to debate Tyson Chandler, Carmelo Anthony, Jimmy Butler. Because I know most of of you all who listen to the show, most of the people who watch the NBA, y'all look at points per game as a measure of how good a player is despite several instances of telling you guys otherwise. But going to move on. Jimmy Butler would be the best player in New York in at least six years, right? I think that's fair. I don't want my Knicks to trade for Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is an amazing basketball player. Jimmy Butler is one of my favorite basketball players in the league. He's a top 15 guy overall. I don't think any of that stuff is questioned. I think that's all like fact. But Jimmy Butler's got a lot of mileage on his body. Jimmy Butler has been run through the gauntlet by Tom Thibodeau. And more importantly, or I should say the thing that frightens me even more than his injury, is that for the last two places that Jimmy, the only two places Jimmy Butler has gone, he has beefed with the young players in the organizations. He had a problem with Chicago, with the young boys in Chicago. He got sent to Minnesota. Then, you know, so in Chicago, it was before Lori Markkinen was there, right? So, Jimmy Butler beats with Denzel Valentine and Bobby Portis, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. Those guys aren't necessarily cornerstone type players, right? But then he gets traded to Minnesota and he's beefing with Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns is one of the best young players in this league without question, without question. And he's never, and he's played with talented guys before. Just look at his Kentucky roster. And all of a sudden, there seemingly is this thing that can't be fixed, can't be resolved. It's not fair to Jimmy, but because he has a history, right, you have to factor it in. You got to be like, okay, maybe he has an issue with young players. And because Jimmy is a veteran and one of the best players in his league, you're going to look for him to be like the guiding player, not necessarily to be like this, you know, this, you know, tutor and mentor. 
because every player is not built like that. But you've got to be the leader, and if you're going to surround him with young players, that has to be factored in. In New York, Jimmy Butler's an amazing player. If he comes to the Eastern Conference, he's immediately one of the five best players in the East. But he's got to, he's going to have to do some of this mentoring, not mentoring, but leadership skills have to get better because the Knicks are surrounded by young players. So that would be one reason why I would be hesitant on moving on and trading for Jimmy Butler. Also, he, Jimmy's better than Amare, but trading or signing a player who has an injury history to a long-term contract in his upper 20s, I've seen how that plays out in New York. I'm still scarred by the Amari Stoudemire years. And Amari, man, stat was a monster that first year for us in New York. I'm talking about that was like my favorite year being a Knicks fan since like being an adult. Outside of that 90s run, that one year we had in 2000, and I guess it was 11, 2010-11, man, that was so much fun. But all that stuff aside now, man, because I was going to end the show talking about why the Knicks shouldn't trade for Jimmy Butler, and I was going to go way in-depth on that. But nah, man, because now the NBA has once again solidified, at least to me, why they're the best league in the world. Who does this? A month before the season starts, the rumors about Jimmy Butler being moved started spreading like wildfire. And Andrew Wiggins' brother does some hallelujah post on Instagram. Very cryptic, very Canadian, very Aubrey Graham-ish, right? Throws a little subtle shot at his teammate because of the rumors that Jimmy Butler's going to go. So Jimmy Butler, he does a post himself, chilling out, and then he was like, hallelujah. Keep that same energy. Boom. Right? We know what time it is. Andrew, look, man. Andrew Wiggins, yeah, Alabama's got to stop. I, oh, like a few months ago, I'm, I put out a poll on the Twitter handle at Quarterly Show, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E -E -E Show. You guys need to make sure you follow me. We do a lot of fun stuff on that handle. And the question was, because y'all know I live in Largo, Maryland, right outside D.C., who would you rather have, Andrew Wiggins or Otto Porter? To me, this is like, should have been 100%. Otto Porter is infinitely better than Andrew Wiggins, and I haven't been an Andrew Wiggins fan since his first year in the league, right? Because he had all this stuff around him. Everybody was talking about, oh, man, he's going to be the next one. Everybody was like, immediately, he could be an elite defender. Oh, he can get his shot. He can do all these things. Andrew Wiggins has never been an amazing, has not a good NBA player. Everyone was telling you how, you know, he could be day one an elite defender. And I was thinking to myself, how the hell do y'all come to that conclusion? Ron Artest was infinitely better defensively than Andrew Wiggins coming or in college. And it took Artest years to become a great defender. Same with Battier. Like, very rarely can a player come from college to the pros and be an elite defender. Andrew Wiggins is still an awful defender. Despite all the athleticism, he can't do anything. He can't shoot, he can't pass, he can't defend. He dunks and he scores, but he's not efficient. You understand? So Andrew Wiggins talking his mouth, running his mouth. I'm like, I've never been a fan of his. But thank God for Captain Jack, Steven Jackson. I mean, come on, Joe. If you don't like the NBA, what is wrong with you? Wash your face, baby. Steven Jackson... Like, 
any other normal person, right, sees Andrew Wiggins' post and how Jimmy Butler responds and says, yo, y'all Bamas can't be taking shots at Jimmy Butler. You feel me? I like to call it the best worst theory, right? Meaning, if on your best day, you still can't lace up a man's shoes on his worst day, shut your mouth. The best worst theory. I remember back, I told you I never, I used to cover the Wizards. I remember the Deshaun Stevenson, LeBron James, I don't know if you would call it a rivalry or whatever the case may be. Like if you are playing and y'all going back and forth, cool. What happens on the court stays on the court. What happens on the court, you know, boom, nobody referees that. Of course you're going to go back and forth, you're competing. But what I'm talking about is outside of the lines, right? When the game is over, three zeros and you move on, if on your best day, you're not as good as another man on his worst day, don't take shots. Don't go on social media. Don't go on an interview. Don't don't go on an article taking shots. Nah, man, because you lame as hell for that, unless somebody absolutely violates, you know? So when Deshaun Stevenson was going on running his mouth about LeBron after the Wizards won a one regular season game, I'm like, bro, you sound stupid. You know what I mean? You sound crazy right now. It was fun. And if you're a Wizards fan, I'm sure you enjoyed it. But deep down, you knew. You was like, dog, what are you talking? What are you saying? Same rules apply here. Andrew Wiggins, like, y'all teammates, number one. And you don't have to rock with your teammate. Cool. But, bro, you have to know within yourself, you can't lace this man's shoes up. Talking about Jimmy Butler. Andrew Wiggins, shut up. Right? You, you don't like him. He's about to get traded. You got your money, right? There's going to be there's going to be pressure on you regardless because you're a former number one overall pick. But now, because you run in your mouth, Jimmy Butler gets traded. Everybody's going to look to you and Cat, being like, "Okay, guys, y'all would have been a top four seed had Jimmy Butler was had he been healthy all year." So now, we got to see what y'all going to do, like, because y'all wanted him gone, and because. Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins almost are like built the same way. Obviously, Jimmy's far more muscular, but they they almost play the same position. The easy translation is like, okay, Jimmy's gone. Wiggy, you got to step it up. So nobody wants to hear you take shots at a teammate in the offseason. Like, what, what are you doing? You know, you're doing that passive-aggressive type of thing, talking about hallelujah. You're trash. So Steven Jackson, clearly a real one. Say little one. Like that's how he starts his post. Come on, man. You can tell influenced by Pimp C, God bless the dead. You can tell it, baby. So he 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 does what anybody else did would do when you see what Wiggins did. Like, bro, talk to your brother. Check your brother. Because for real, nobody trying to hear from your brother off rip. And number two, you haven't held up your end of the bargain. You have the worst contract in the league, bro. You aren't a very good player, and you're making all this money. This guy comes in, roughs your spot because he's clearly better, and you're getting your feelings, and now you're going to do this little lame Instagram post. Again, best worst theory. You are not good enough on your best day to talk trash about Jimmy Butler on his worst day. 
So Captain Jack just does what any normal person, any regular person, any person with any sense of integrity who knows the NBA, who follows the NBA would do. Like, bro, you ain't the one. You're not the one to talk right now because you got work to do. You have work to do. So what did this Canadian Bama do in response? He sends a crazy message. I don't want to sound like the old man, but this is what I'm talking about. Bama's getting gassed up on social media, not understanding. Bro, if the world isn't that big, isn't as big as you think. And Bama's that you think are old ain't really that old. And they got a lot to prove and would love nothing more than to check you on a platform that let everybody remind you, Slim, you don't want this. But Wiggy had to learn a lesson. He had to learn a lesson. He talks slick on Instagram, quickly deletes it. But again, the world is short. The world is small. Word got pat, got win to your man, Stephen Jackson. Stephen Jackson is a real one and shut the whole thing down. Shut the whole thing down. What is wrong with Andrew Wiggins? He's talking about. So after he deletes his message, he puts something back up on Instagram and Again, I always keep that same energy talking about old but old guys trying to, you know, stay in the limelight. Bro, you don't want it with Steven Jackson, Slim. You don't want it with Steven Jackson. Y'all better do your research. You know, do your background checks. Slim, you going, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what was wrong with Andrew Wiggins. I don't know what is going on in Minnesota. But Slim, they got to get his ass about it there. Not because of what happened with Steven Jackson. That stuff, he's going to be embarrassed now. Because Captain Jack ain't going to stop. You know what I mean? Because for real, all this happened because the Wiggins and his family can't shut up. You feel me? There was a blessing. Again, I get it. Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns do not get along with Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's going to get traded. That's going to happen. Like, we know that. So everything that those guys want is going to come to fruition. Carl Anthony Towns isn't saying anything. There are rumors swirling about him, a possible woman, all these things. All he said was, like, fake news. He had one tweet, fake news, and that's it. Carl Anthony Towns knows the pressure is going to be on him, but Carl Anthony Towns in year three was an all-NBA player, Okay. He understands the pressure is coming, and he's getting ready. Nobody's thinking about Andrew Wiggins right now, Slim. But he out here, clout chasing, looking for attention, going on Instagram, going on social media, running his mouth, and now he got a problem on his doorstep. The Wolves is ready. And now all the attention, all eyes are going to be on him because Captain Jack's not going to stop, nor should he. This is a message for y'all young bammers out there, man. Everything does not need to be said or posted or text or snapped or whatever the case you want to call it. Some things keep to yourself because the world has a way of putting things in place. And then they'll be showing proof for you. Wiggins was going to have eyes on him regardless with Jimmy Butler gone because the Timberwolves They've got a lot. I was talking about it with my cousin a few weeks ago. I thought Minnie was going to make the playoffs. He said he didn't. I had no idea that this was going to happen. If you trade Jimmy Butler and only get like a pick or something, they're not making the playoffs. And I love Carl Anthony Towns. 
But if you look at the Andrew Wiggins in 2018, Derrick Rose to get to get you over the hump, bro, you better you better go see a shrink. Go go get your life together, man, because that's not in the cards at all. Andrew Wiggins running his mouth. Slim, oh, how do you not love the NBA? How can anyone not love the NBA? If you don't love the NBA, man, I gotta get some, I gotta get some repellent spray, Slim. Because if you don't enjoy this, I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't know what's wrong with you if you didn't enjoy that show. I love it. You understand? First off, I want to thank again my guy, David Duvall. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at McNubian. I want to thank each and every one of you all for listening. Rocking with me for 73 weeks. The 73rd episode is in the books. Before I go, remember, email me your thoughts. What do you think about the Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Town, and now Steven Jackson situation? It's, it's entertaining beyond words to me. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, report at gmail.com. Or tweet me your thoughts, your opinions on Jimmy Butler, the NBA, the NFL, boxing, you name it, man. I'm open for questions, suggestions, and comments. Tweet at me. Follow me at Quarterly Show. Again, that's Quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. Also, Fridays, man, we're doing a super dope thing every Friday now. Top 5 Friday, hashtag T5F, Top 5 Friday. I'm breaking down, I'm ranking 5 something, man. The first week we did it two weeks ago was five, the 5 best Kanye West tracks. Last week, I gave you my 5 best NBA players, and this week, I'm giving you my top five pound for pound list coming off of the Gennady Golovkin Canelo Alvarez rematch. Make sure you see, check me out on Twitter. That's Quarterly Show and on Instagram, Quarterly Report, the top five Fridays, man. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back here next week, better than ever, on the Quarterly Report.